Welcome to Planet Surgery, a medical podcast by Baxter Advanced Surgery Team. Hello everyone and welcome to the Planet Surgery podcast series, Insights into the World of Surgeons, Surgery and Perioperative Practitioners across Europe. My name is Marta Almarcha and I'm the MSL for Baxter Advanced Surgery in Spain and Portugal. At Baxter, our vision is to be a global innovative leader in the operating room, providing solutions that improve patient outcomes and enhance lives. Baxter podcast program is in a way for you to hear from colleagues across the world. In this episode, I will interview Dr. Sonia Tejada. She's a neurosurgeon at Hospital Fundación Jiménez Díaz, located in Madrid, Spain, and also professor at the Autonoma University of Madrid. Today, we're going to discuss about the minimally invasive craniotomy in posterior fossa. Welcome, Dr. Tejada, and thanks for giving us the opportunity to have this interview with you. Thank you for the introduction. So, let's start. What does it mean, minimally invasive craniotomy in posterior fossa? The definition of minimally invasive craniotomy is the smallest incision needed, the smallest possible craniotomy, without mm -hmm. compromising the goals of surgery. There is not a fixed size of the craniotomy. However, in posterior fossa, most of the cases can be performed with an incision of 5 to 6 centimeters and a craniotomy of 2 to 3 centimeters of diameter. Uh -huh. And how do you perform this kind of surgery in your hospital? Well, I perform this approach in every case since 2010 and the technique is improving over the years. I learned from Dr. Parneski Disipol, Robert Reis and Nikolai Hoff how to combine the microscope and the endoscope for keyhole approaches. After that, in 2016, I visited Charlie Theo to consolidate this surgical technique and to broaden the indication, especially to posterior fossa tumors and brainstem tumors. Mm -hmm. And in which patients is the use of this technique Indicated. Well, all, all the patients benefit from this technique, no matter the age, location, or the pathology we are treating. And, and what alternative is used in case of not using this minimally invasive procedure? The alternative is the standard approaches that are specific for different areas of the brain. Many decades ago, the founders of our specialty, in order to reach a brain area without microscope or without neuronavigation, designed these approaches and in that moment were very useful. But how we advance in technology with the microscope, navigation, intraoperative images, the approaches can be tailored for every case. So in consequence, there is no need to follow a standard approaches in most of the patients. And what about uh, clinical results? of the minimally invasive craniotomy in posterior fossa in your hospital. Do you have any scientific results yet? Minimally invasive surgery allows faster recovery, less complications of wound healing, less pain, and better aesthetic results with smaller scars. The length of surgery and achievements remain equivalent. We have not published our results yet, but we have presented our data in national and international neurosurgical meetings. Regarding posterior fossa tumors, gross total resection was achieved in 83% of lesions according to postoperative imaging, and we found no difference with, with the standard approaches. Trigeminal neuralgia and arachnoid cysts were also included in this series. Mm 
pseudomeningocele CSF leak and infection rates was lower. It was around 4% versus 6% in the standard craniotomy. The hospital stay was shorter, two days versus uh, seven to 10 uh, days, and the pain medication was much lower. Hemostasis and closure are easier in small craniotomies. I'm a big fan of collagen pads to reinforce the dura closure and also to avoid post-surgical hematomas. Indeed, we have not registered any uh, hematoma in our series. And if the case uh, if the case is in a very high risk of CSF leak, I also use autologous fat plus fibrin sealant. And which are the difficulties and the pitfalls, if any, of using this technique, in your opinion? Hmm. It's very important, as always, to have a good anesthesiologist because brain must be completely relaxed in order to enter into the posterior fossa. Most of the cases do not need the lumbar or the ventricular drainage if the position and the technique is appropriate. Anatomy orientation and neuronavigations are both important. The neurosurgeon must be aware that patient uh, precision of registration is not as good when the patient is in prone or lateral position. This is why special attention must be taken in every step of the procedure. If just one layer, the skin, the muscle, the bone or the dura is not open properly, you have no chance to rectify. And what would be your advice, for example, for a young neurosurgeon who would like to learn this technique? In my opinion, all young neurosurgeons should learn minimally invasive approaches to the brain. There is a lot of literature regarding the different techniques, and it is frequent to consider pure endoscopic procedure as the only minimally invasive ones. However, pure endoscopic approaches could damage the brain, so the result sometimes is a small incision outside but a huge damage inside the brain. Whereas keyhole approaches are minimally invasive from the entrance to the target. Other advice is to use always neuronavigation and be confident with the use of the microscope and the endoscope. When using the microscope, move around it, around as many times as you need, to make sure you complete the aims of the surgery. Know well the anatomy and the lesion you are treating. Sometimes patient position is key. Make sure you do not miss the small details. And at the end, my last advice is to visit for a few days or a weeks a neurosurgeon who performs these approaches regularly to make sure you understand all the steps and take the opportunity to solve all the questions you may have. And one last question. What do you think is the future of this type of minimally invasive surgery? In the future, minimally invasive surgery will be the standard surgery. Robotic surgery, intraoperative images in neurosurgery will help to treat the central nervous system disorders more precisely and with less discomfort than today, transforming all the approaches in minimally approaches. So thanks a lot, Dr. Tejada. That was a very interesting conversation. And to the audience, please contact us for any feedback or question or if you want to be your next speaker. And thank you very much for listening. And don't forget to come back again to listen to our next episode. <music>